Okay, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. You ready? And it says this, now in the fourth watch, somebody say the fourth watch. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, you know, I feel like Peter like represents so many of us. Because if you ask, how was Peter doing? It literally is pick the day. Pick the day. Because one day he's being called Satan. The other day he's showing more faith than anybody else in the boat. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. I've got a message for you today entitled, the boat is not an option. The boat is not, the boat is not an option. Father God, our prayer is that you would fill this place. God, like Job said, Job said, I had heard of you. But now I've seen you for myself. God, we're asking not just to hear about you, God, but we want to experience you. We want to know you. God, I'm praying over every single person sitting in their kitchen right now in their living room, driving in their car, that there would be a supernatural visitation of the presence of God. And we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen and amen and amen. I, um, I've been telling myself a particular phrase probably for about two years now. And the idea of the phrase came from what I kind of felt in people my age group in that mid-30s, late-30s, late-20s type of group where, where you kind of get to a place where you're starting to measure up what have I done with my life so far. You, you, you know what I mean? When, when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you, you just happen to be at your parents' house. You, you, the, the, my only goal was to be gone. I'm gone, okay? I got out. Maybe I got a degree. Maybe I started a business. Maybe I did something. And it's not often that you run across a 25-year-old that says my life has been a waste, it's not often you run across a 25-year-old, and maybe you are an overachieving 25-year-old, but there's not a lot of 25-year-olds that are just like, I'm, I'm so disappointed with where my life is. But when you start getting 29, 30, 32, 38, 42, you, you, you're like, I've put my time in. 
I'm, I'm not new to this. I don't even remember when my college graduation was. When you've got to stop and count when you graduated high school, you got to kind of think back, wait, what year was that? You, I've, I've put some time in, and, and, and I want to see what my time has produced. And, 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 and without even realizing, we start to take score. And, 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 and we may score different things. Some people may score how, how many friends, how many people, how many people just care about me? Are, are, are there people in my life that are committed to me? And, and we may feel good about ourselves based on the amount of people who love us and are committed to us, or we may be discouraged based on the lack of relationships that we have. Some of us, the score that we keep is based on our career, how, how far have I have gotten, what have I accomplished. Some of us, it's our influence. How many followers on Instagram do I have? How many friends or how many people know me? Or did I get a blue check or whatever it may be? Some of us, it's based on our income. How much money am I making? How much is in my retirement account or whatever? And I started to feel kind of that angst of what I have, what have I accomplished yet? And it started about two years ago, and I started telling myself this phrase. They don't give out gold medals for a fast start. They don't give out gold medals for a fast start. What, what am I trying to say? Sometimes we obsess over how our start looks. Not realizing you don't get a well done, thy good and faithful servant for a strong start. You get a well done, thy good and faithful servant for a strong finish. You, you, you've seen all those races where someone, they get out of the blocks faster than anybody else and they're tearing down the track and then they make the mistake of looking over their shoulder or seeing who's around them or whatever it may be. And just that slight moment of comparison, how am I doing compared to somebody else, they end up forfeiting the entire race because they were more obsessed over where am I than how am I going to finish. Can I, can I challenge you with something? It's hard to finish strong. It, 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 it's, it's easy. It's e Y'all remember freshman year in college? Like, you woke up early for class. You, some of y'all did. Some of y'all like, no, 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 had nothing to do with it. You, you remember that first day at work? You, you just put, you put on your Sunday best, and it was Monday. <laughs> Got there 30 minutes early, sitting in the parking lot. Man, God had answered a prayer. He had opened a door. They didn't actually read your resume properly because they wouldn't have given you the job if they had. You're just grateful for what... It, it's easy to start strong. Yeah. Anybody remember those last three months of high school? <laughs> those last, I think my last semester in college... I took like a fitness class, which we just play basketball for every class. And I took like a manage your personal finances class, like how to apply for a credit card, which is the worst thing you need to teach a college student to do. It, 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 it was a grind to finish strong. But I'd like to submit to you that God does his best work in the finish, not in the start. I'd, I'd like to submit to you that some of the greatest miracles that God ever did came at the end, not at the beginning. It said in the fourth watch of the night. 
As, as you read Matthew chapter 14, Jesus was on land with the disciples. He was preaching to the 5,000 and, and it got to the point. Hey, don't ever tell me I preached too long. I've never preached you into starvation. <laughs> Jesus preached an entire sermon series in one city. And it got to the point, I think everybody missed breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And these people are hungry. And the disciples are like, listen, we can't feed them. Send them home. Jesus said, don't tell me what we can't do. Just tell me what you got. So often we go to the miracle worker to tell the miracle worker what miracles he can't do. You can't fix this marriage. You can't make this business work. You can't heal. He said, don't tell me what I can't do. Just tell me what you have in your hand and leave the rest to me. So they go get the two loaves and they get the, or the five loaves and the two fish and they bring it to Jesus. He lifts it up. He blesses them. They break it. He multiplies. He feeds the 5,000. And after that miracle, he puts them in a boat and says, hey, go on across the sea. I'm going to spend time recovering with my father and I'll catch up with you guys later. And as they're going across the sea, the Bible says the winds begin to stir and the waves begin to crash. And here the disciples are in a boat, overwhelmed in a situation that God sent them into. There, there's, there's certain things that we have come to believe as Christians that ain't true. I was trying to figure out a nice way to say it. And, 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 and you've got to understand that it's not true because when you find yourself there, the enemy will be there to whisper condemnation into your ear. For example, if I find myself in a storm, I might have missed God. And you would not believe how many people find themselves where I, I, I got terminated from my job. I'm battling a sickness. There's an issue in my relationship with, with, with a family member or whatever it may be. And they begin to kind of turn on themselves and say, I might have missed God. Maybe God's favor isn't on my life anymore. Maybe, maybe I didn't hear from God because we believe the lie that obeying God keeps me out of storms. When in this situation, obeying God is what got them into the storm. Now, you do have to wonder if Jesus says go and he ain't coming, should I have gone? <laughs> I probably should have been like, no, I'll sit here. When you go, I'll go. I ain't going across. But they find themselves in a storm. The winds and the waves are crashing. Hear me from the moment they got into the boat. So they get into the boat about 6 p.m. The waves are crashing. 9 p.m., Waves are still crashing. 12 a.m., waves are still crashing. 2 a.m., waves are still... They're getting to the fourth watch of the night. And when it gets to that 3, 4, 5 a.m. moment, the sun is just beginning to crack on the edge of the horizon. Here comes Jesus walking on some of the greatest miracles you're going to see God do in your life is when you come to the end of yourself. Some of the greatest miracles you're going to see God do in your life is right before you quit. It's right at that moment when you have convinced yourself this is not going to happen. It's right at that moment where you've convinced yourself... I, 
if God were going to do it, he would have done it by now. Let me bury this dream. It's not going to come to pass. Hear me. Some of you are getting ready to bury some promises of God. And God sent me to tell you just because it did not happen in the time frame you said it to happen does not mean that it's not going to happen. God says, I don't work in your timeline, but if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And here he comes walking on the water. And Peter looks and he sees Jesus and says, if it's you, bid me come. I, I, I want to give you just three quick thoughts. The first one is this. Playing it safe is not an option. Play, playing it safe is not an option. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. Playing it safe Somebody say, it is an option. It, it, it is an option. Some of you are like, Pastor, you may say it's not an option, but actually it is absolutely an option. Here's what I mean. It shouldn't be an option for a follower of God. Playing it safe, staying in the boat, staying in an environment that I can completely control should not be a course of life for a believer. I find that, you know, it's kind of, you can't say, all people fall into these, all people fall into one of three categories. The first category is the type of person that life happens to them. They don't happen to life. You, you have that type of person. And I'm not talking about you watching online. I'm talking about the person who lives next door to you. This is not you at all. But, but there's just certain people that they're always caught off guard. I, I, I didn't see that argument coming. I didn't see that bill coming. I, I've never seen anything coming in my life. I've always been blindsided by everything. And hear me, that is a byproduct of being a poor steward. That, that is a byproduct of I make decisions based on how I feel this day and I, I'm just going to do whatever. And, and life takes me on that course and I'm just always knocked off of my feet. I'm always trying to survive. Some people, life doesn't happen to them. They don't happen to life. Life happens to them. Some people are the exact opposite, that everything in my life is going to be intentional. It's going to be strategic. I'm, I'm going to make the wisest decision. I'm going to calculate. I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to make sure that I'm never caught off guard. They've got emergency funds. They, they've got people around them that to support them and all this other good stuff. And, and it may sound good, right? I've never been caught off guard and I've also never seen a miracle. I've never been in a situation where I didn't know what the wise path forward was. And I've also never been in a situation where God did exceeding and abundantly above all I can ever ask, think, or imagine because I can actually control God out of my life. And there's a small minority of people that live their life in a position of, I'm going to live off of the wisdom of God. I'm not going to make emotional decisions. I'm going to make faith-based decisions. But I'm leaving room for God to say, for God to do, for God to direct, for God to push in places that are above and beyond what I'm thinking. Because I refuse to live a life that I can predict and control. John 10, 10, you know this. He said, I came that you could have a life indeed and so that you can live it to the fullest. You can't live a full life staying in the boat. You can't live a full. Ah. How boring is it to wake up on Monday and know how your entire week is going to go? 
Some of you are like, well, Pastor, that actually sounds pretty good, actually. I'm, I would like if I know all my meetings and all my, and, and I'm not saying you don't plan. I'm not saying you don't structure. I'm not saying that, that, that you don't have a calendar. I'm not saying that you wake up and just say, oh, let me see where the wind is gonna take me. No, but there has to be some type of expectation that, that Ephesians 3.20 expectation of I serve a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I'm just waking up every morning with a type of expectation of it may not be massive, it may not be earth changing, but there's gonna be something about this day that is God's fingerprint on my day. There's gonna be something about this meeting, something about this moment that I'm gonna see God do something great. Can I mess with you? And it won't happen until you get out the boat. There's so many believers that are like, I'm believing for miracles. Amen, pastor, I'm going to see exceeding and abundant. Okay, yes, when's the last time you swung your leg over the edge? When's the last time you said, Jesus, if that's where you are, I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something that actually creates or invites the supernatural that I am believing God for. Can I challenge you? Whatever area you want to see God in, in your finances, in relationship, in your career, in your marriage. God, what is a step that I can take that is outside of my comfort zone? Some of us outside of our comfort zone is as simple as having a conversation that makes us uncomfortable. Hey, we're, hey babe, let, let, let's talk about this. Hey, I'm, I'm going to go to my boss and ask, hey, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm covering all of my responsibilities and all that other good stuff. If there was something that you would give me to do that's outside of my normal scope of work, what would you have me do? I'm, I'm, it, it doesn't, he, he just took one step outside of the boat. Um, some of us were like, I'm going to live by faith when God shows me the next 14 steps. And we sit in our house thinking about the business that we've wanted to launch for the last 15 years. And we're working on our business proposal. And we've got our 12, 9, 17, 29 different steps of action. And we haven't taken one step. And God says, I'm not going to show you the last step. I just need you to take one step of faith. Now, here, here, here's what catches me. You know how this story goes. He steps out and he begins to sink, which tells me that when Peter stepped out on faith, the waves didn't stop. When Peter stepped out on faith, the wind didn't stop blowing. Kind of where I started, we feel like when I take a step of faith, that means there's going to be peace all around me. Sometimes the step of faith is followed by more warfare than you could have guessed. Sometimes the step of faith is followed by more trials or more, 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 more inconveniences than you could have ever imagined. Let me kind of give you this thought. You're not going to see the greatness of God unless you have persistence. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says this. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for. You ever read the Bible and just disagreed? It's good preaching. It's bad living. It says for problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn patience. 
And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope, watch this, and faith are strong and steady. I, I, I've said this before, the story of Union Church over the last 12 years um, was an overnight miracle. It got in one night, 10 years in the making. <laughs> Every miracle, by the way, that happens overnight took 10 years. Joseph went to sleep in a prison, woke up in a palace. We love to preach that. You know how long he was in that prison? And before he was in the prison, he was a slave. And before he was a slave, he was in a pit. God, God is working a process before the miracle comes. And, and in hindsight, I remember, so we launched our church and, and we grew gradually for the first three years. And then from year three to year six, it did not grow by one person. And then when we started growing again, it's not like we tripled and doubled and had exponential. It started gradually again. And, and I think I'm far enough away from it that I can tell you how I was mad at God in this season. I was just, this is not fair. And, and if I could even be more honest with you, I, I was in a group of pastors where all of their churches are growing so much faster than mine. But do you know, you know how discouraging it is when you get in a text thread and everybody in that text thread is, come on now, winning. Everybody in that text thread is getting engaged. Everybody in that text thread just bought their first house. Everybody in that text thread just whatever. You ever had a group of friends that they were getting the answers to your prayers? <laughs> and it's like, maybe I should have put a zip code on the end of that prayer so you should have known this is the resonance. It should have come through. And I remember looking back and saying, oh God, why? Oh God, why? Oh God, why? And then one person would come and one person would leave and then you'd invest in one person and they, and I had no idea how God was building my persistence and building my character and building my faith and building my hope in that moment where now you can't tell me my God won't do it. You can't tell me that he's not on the job. You can't tell me that he won't send what I need. But if it had come quicker, that development probably wouldn't have happened. Hear me, some of you have felt like God's abandoned you. Some of you is just overwhelmed because you're like, God, I've been waiting this long and it's been this difficult and it hasn't happened this long and all that other good stuff. And what you may be forgetting is that there is a preparation process before there is a revelation process. But before I release you into what I've called you to, I've got to prepare you to make sure that when you get it, you can keep it. And some of us jump out of the preparation. And then we're confused when we step into the promise and we're not able to sustain the promise. One of the thoughts that comes to my mind is boxers. You, you know, most sports, they're playing 30, 40, 50 games a year. Football, they just changed it to what? Football, 17 games in NFL. Basketball is 82 games. Baseball is 1,094 games. I, <laughs> most boxers will have two fights a year. The great ones, one fight a year. And the entire year, they're in the gym, lifting weights, sparring, practicing, preparing. Why? Because of my preparation process is what it needs to be. 
I will be able to perform in the moment that it counts the most. Hear me. Some of us are a little bit bored with the season that God has placed us in because we don't see the doors and the miracles that we want to see. Not understanding, I've got to be dedicated and committed to the process of preparation. I'm building my faith. I'm building my perseverance. I'm building my hope. And trust me, I'm going to need it when I step into what God has for me. Second thing is this, who you walk with determines what you walk on. Who, who you walk with determines what you walk on. And I'm not preaching something to you that you don't know. It's just something that we sometimes don't look at. Peter wasn't in the boat by himself. And, and, and here's what, 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 what kind of caught me off guard I'm not surprised that Peter left the other disciples in the boat. I mean, you read the Gospels, they were much, pretty much beefing the entire time. I don't think it took much for Peter to leave the other disciples. Here's a thought that crossed my mind, though. One of the disciples was Peter's brother. A lot of us forget that Peter had family that was in the same boat as him, Andrew. And I, I just think in that moment, here it is, Peter looking at Jesus, walking on the water, and then he looks back at his brother. And here it is, the waves are crashing and, and the wind is blowing, and he's like, this step of faith is going to require me to leave family behind. And hear me, I'm not preaching, I'll leave your brother, leave your sister, leave family. But, but sometimes if we're going to step into what God has for us, we're going to have to leave what is familiar. We're going to have to leave what we know, what, what, what's comfortable, what we're used to, what's predictable. A lot of times when we think about God doing something great, we obsess over what we're going to. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about what we're coming from. And if I'm going to step into all that God has for me, I've got to make a decision. Ooh, this is where, pastor, stick to your notes. Don't. <laughs> if I were to tell you, let me make it self-deprecating and then throw somebody else under the boat. If I were to tell you that my goal is to be in the best shape of my life, I want to put on muscle mass. I, I want to be able to run 13 miles without stopping. And I'm telling you all these goals and all these dreams. At, at first, what you're going to say is, wow, that's admirable. Wow, that's great. Oh, go for it. Let's, yeah, come on, live a healthy life. And, and then you're going to ask, so what are you doing? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And if I say, well, as soon as I get back from Chick-fil-A, <laughs> Then I'm going to go home and I'm going to sit in front of my computer for four hours because I got some work I to catch up on. And I start to tell you what I'm doing and working out is not in the equation. And changing the way that I eat is not in the equation. Because you like me, you probably ain't going to tell me the truth. You, wow, great goals, great goals, great. But in your mind, you know that ain't a goal, that's a fantasy. Because based on what you're telling me you want and based on what you're doing, it's not going to happen. Some of us don't calculate that the future that we say we want is impossible with the company that we keep right now. And if I'm going to step into all that God has for me, I'm going to have to step away from a mindset that's opposite from the future that I say that I want. You, you, you've heard it said, but I find that we think it's only for middle schoolers. 
Show me your friends, I'll show you your... If your friends are not passionate about use, being used by God in a supernatural way, hear me, your faith will stagnate. It, well, after I feel like God is, why do I always use that voice when I'm making fun of people? It, I feel like God has called me to be a light in the darkness. He has. But if your whole world is darkness, your light will get snuffed out. If everybody in your circle is satisfied staying where they are in their career for the rest of their life, I pay my bills, I'm just perfectly happy here, your career will, and you can add, 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 add. If the people I look around at are not running after the things that I'm running after, it doesn't matter what I say I want God to do in my life, hear me, it does not even matter what leaps of faith I take. My environment will pull me back from what God has for. And I, 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 you know, as a pastor, people come pastor, you know, can you mentor me? Can you, what do you see in my life or whatever it may be? And, and they'll tell me about the dream that they have. And, and I'm not a coward, but sometimes I don't really want to tell them what I see because it ain't good. And they're like, pastor, I want to be used by God. And I'm like, tell me about your friends. I hate to break it to you, but nobody, and, and you know, we associate with people that we have to because <laughs> we work with them or we live with them or, you know, I'm not talking about the people that you're around because you have to be around them. I'm talking about the people that you pick to be around when you have a choice. If the people that you pick to be around when you have a choice are not obsessed over being used by God or building a great marriage or building a great family. It doesn't even matter the dreams that are in my heart. My, 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 my surrounding will dictate my future even more than my decisions will. You know this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be fooled. Bad friends ruin good habits. In our At The Movie series that you're not watching because you're not in the building, you could be. But you're not. We're doing, the, it's a movie called The Founder, which is the whole Ray Kroc McDonald's movie. Ray Kroc is the guy, he didn't found McDonald's, he stole it, but uh, he's the one that turned McDonald's into, dude was a savage by the way, but he's the one that turned McDonald's into a franchise. So he convinced the McDonald's brothers, hey, you've got something that I think is gonna work in cities across America. Will you allow me to take your model and sell it to franchisees all over the nation? So they agreed, he takes this McDonald's model and he starts going to all of his wealthy friends because he figured wealthy people have enough money to be able to buy this franchise. This would be the best place to expand it. So it, you, you gotta see it. He goes and he takes this franchise and he sells it to some of his wealthy friends. And then after a few months, he starts visiting different McDonald's that he sold. And he goes to one and they're selling fried chicken. He goes to another one, they got barbecue meat, they got collard greens, they got mac and cheese. And, and he's like, what in the world is going on? And he looks for the person that he sold it to to yell at them for how they're letting the franchise slip away and they're nowhere to be found. Because he found out they already made their money, they had no hustle. They, they, were, they, they made their money with a job, they weren't looking for a second job. 
They were looking for a place to just to park their money and so that it can increase, but they weren't actually, so here's what he did. He stopped selling the franchises to wealthy people and started looking for frustrated salesmen and saleswomen. He started looking for people that were selling. It's like this back in the day. You ever had somebody, y'all ain't old enough for this, but they would ring your doorbell, I want to sell you an encyclopedia. Or, uh, I, come on now, y'all, y'all don't, y'all ever had world book salesmen come to your door? Listen, <laughs> DeMarcus is like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. They didn't do that where I came from. But he went and he found ambitious people who were frustrated and said, hey, I'm gonna make sure that I help you reach a dream because you've got the, hear me, when I say you've gotta watch your company, a lot of people read that as isolation. And there's so many people that are just like, I'm not gonna let anybody close and I'm not gonna let anybody into my world because everybody is kinda dumb. I'm, as long as I'm good and running, and listen, just as much as the Bible says bad company corrupts good character, the Bible also says woe to the man that is walking by himself because when he falls, and I love that, it doesn't say if he falls. It says when he falls, there's no one there to help him up. So some of us got to in, inspect our environments. Some of us got to start doing inventory of, of, of who's the people that I choose to surround myself with. And are they as passionate about seeing the hand of God in their life as I am in my life? And let me just give you some wisdom. If they're not, do not go through a friendship divorce. Don't go and sit down with them and say, hey, it's not me, it's you, this is not working. That's not necessary. You ever had one of those awkward, like, I just, our friend, just, just, they will know as you adjust your calendar and you no longer prioritize them in your calendar. And if they want to make it awkward, then they'll be awkward. But I don't need to go tell everybody, well, you know, you're not passionate about life enough, so I'm leaving you behind. That's, don't do that. But just adjust your calendar too. I'm gonna prioritize people that have my passion. I'm gonna prioritize people that are running after what I'm running after. I'm gonna prioritize people that prioritize Jesus the way that I prioritize Jesus. And here's what I know, hear me, those type of people are hard to find. You don't just pop up and wake up and find people that are the minority of people that refuse to live average lives. So for some of us, the process starts with, this is gonna be my faith step. God, I'm believing that you, I'm gonna show myself friendly. I'm gonna be open to new relationships. But God, I'm looking for you to send people into my life that are gonna push me into all that you've called me to and actually motivate me to be more like you. What am I looking for? You're looking for people that are grateful but aren't settled. You're looking, because hear me, if I find somebody that's not grateful, they're gonna be anxious and their anxiety is gonna leak into my life. I'm not looking for that person saying, oh my gosh, my life sucks, I don't like where I'm going. I'm just looking for somebody who's grateful for what God has done, but they know that they're not finished. I'm looking for people that will step out of the boat instead of sit in a storm. You ever met people that like to sit in a storm? Every time you meet them, they're telling you about the problems in their lives. And I just, I wish I was one of those people that only had one problem for four years long. Every time, every time I've spoken to you, some of y'all, you're about to run into a family member at Thanksgiving dinner, and you already know what they're going to tell you, because it's the same problem. 
They told you this time last year, and you just know. Here we go again. Tell me who's frustrating you. Who's I'm looking for people that prefer to step out into what they don't know than sit in the storm that they do know. I, listen, 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 this is not I don't know what next year going to look like. But what I do know is you ain't going to find me here next year. I'm not going to be sitting in this boat. I'm not going to be sitting in this problem. I'm not going to be sitting in this drama. I may have made it worse by something I stepped into. But what's not going to happen is you're not going to find me sitting here for a whole nother year. I need people that when they see God move, they move. I, I, I'm, it's not, I'm looking for the type of people that you just hear. You ever heard somebody say, I sense God? Do you know how rare that is? First, I just sense God that God is leading. I sense that God, that, that, listen, that, that, that makes my ears percolate. I'm just, wait, 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 you sense God. Hey, we need, we need to do life together. Because <laughs> I don't know a lot of people that, that are actually looking. I sense God is leading me to opening this open. That's the type of people that I'm looking for. Last thing is this, write this down. You... You need him to calm the storm. You need, you can step out on faith. You can live a risk-filled life. You can make sure the people that are around you are people that are going after what you're going after. But you need a God that can calm the wind in your life. This is where you rock back and forth. Hey, if you play, Maybe it'll make it less awkward. <laughs> Moment, transparent. It, it's scary to live by faith. Like, it's one thing to preach a message of, hey, step out of the boat, walk on water. But to, to leave a job where you're thriving at and to step into one that you're not sure how it's gonna go, but you just sense that this is what God's called you to do, that's scary. And, and sometimes people may not t tell you this, I can be scared and full of faith at the same time. How, how, how does that work? I'm sweating, but I'm still walking. I'm nervous, but I'm still moving forward. We want to tell people that faith means that I'm never concerned, I'm never overwhelmed, I'm never fearful. No, no, no. Faith means that I'm going to put one foot in front of the other every single day because I know that God is before me. He's not behind me. It doesn't mean I'm not scared. It doesn't mean I'm not overwhelmed. It doesn't mean I'm not stressed. And that's exhausting. And, and this, this, this is not a complaint. It's a complaint. But uh, it's just an acknowledgement of why my time in God's presence is so vital. Because yesterday's miracle does not bring today's breakthrough. And if I'm going to live this outside of the boat, world changer type of life, I'm committed to I'm always going to take the next step of faith. Here's what catches me about Matthew chapter 14. We just fed 5,000. We just had a crowd full of people with nothing to feed them. Everybody said, we're in over our head. I'm Peter. I got the five loaves. I got the two fish. I brought it to Jesus. We saw a massive miracle. The sun just set. Listen, you ain't going to say this, but I say this. I feel 
feel like that type of miracle, I should be able to live off of that for a good three, four weeks. I should be, I should just be, am I the only one? Listen, I took that step of faith. I sold that seed. I, I forgave. I got that. That's, and that's just not how it works. We, we read the verse. He wants to take us from glory to glory to glory to glory. What we miss in that verse is glory to glory to glory. In between that is leap of faith, leap of faith, leap of faith, leap of faith. Yesterday, stepping outside of the boat doesn't release today's miracle. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith. Not yesterday's faith, now faith. Not last week's faith, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So here it is, Peter. Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. Peter, come. Peter steps out of the boat and is the first person ever recorded in Scripture and the last person ever recorded in Scripture to walk on water for three steps. And in the middle of his step of faith, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he started to put his eyes on the wind and the waves around him instead of the one that bid him come. And I could be in the middle of a miracle and start to sink. Here, here, here's what I've discovered. Every blessing from God will put you in a position where you have to determine who am I and what are my standards. Your greatest temptation does not come on your worst day. Your greatest temptation comes on your best day. And we, we live in a society that success is based on how much money I can make and how much people know me. And if you think that success is how much money you can make and how much people know, hear me, you will compromise who you are to get what you want. But if you're, and not that making money is bad, not that people knowing who you are is bad. God told Abraham, I will make your name great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's only if I've got to sell out who I am to become who people want me to be. And I've got to make up in my mind, I'm going to be a person that steps outside of the boat. I'm going to be a water walker. I'm going to be a person that doesn't play life safe. I'm living by faith. And I'm going to make sure that people around me are doing the same. But I'm going to keep my eyes locked on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of my faith. Father God, we're grateful. God, messages are supposed to encourage. They're supposed to inspire. They're supposed to build up. God, I'm praying that this message agitated. God, there's some of us that it's time to step out of the boat. But God, if we'd be honest, we're a little tired. We're a little exhausted from the last step of faith. God, I pray in this moment that you would strengthen, should rejuvenate, that you would breathe your breath back in. Guys, I pray, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that you're, you're walking on the water in front of us and you're bidding us come. Come on, wherever you find yourself, can you pray this prayer to me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. Wherever you find yourself, whether you're sitting in your house right now or driving your car, sitting in the room, Every miracle begins with walking towards Jesus. 
Every breakthrough begins with walking towards Jesus. And if some of us were to be honest, we've just been walking but not towards Jesus. And what you've realized is the winds of life, the waves of life, they will continue to overwhelm until I walk towards the one that speaks to the waves and quiets my storms. So wherever you find yourself, if you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, my life is not directed at Jesus right now. Maybe you're like me for so many years and you grew up in church and you tune in online, you attended church somewhere, you go into the building, but, but you know Christ is not the center of who you are. Or maybe you just kind of flip by and, and didn't even realize that Jesus knows you or cares or has a plan for your life. Well, he does. And he's just waiting for you to engage him. Wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I, I need a God that can quiet storms in my life. Right where you are. Pray this prayer. Make this decision. Jesus is going to be the center of my life. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for finding me, for looking for me, for caring about me. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. In this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person?